Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fourth and final session in our Integrity podcast series, Understanding Integrity. This series is brought to you via a partnership between the Institute of Public Administration Australia and the Australian Public Service Commission. My name is Rena Brunsma, and I'm the first Assistant Commissioner at the APSC. I begin today's podcast by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we are broadcasting from, the Ngunnawal people and pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and acknowledge the ongoing contribution they make to the life of our country and this region. Today's topic is getting practical. We're going to look at some of the initiatives, approaches and learnings that Commonwealth agencies have been undertaking to uphold and strengthen their integrity capability. And I'm joined today by an amazing panel. Uh, to set the scene for our listeners, I would note that each of our panellists are all experienced in implementing initiatives that are designed to strengthen integrity in their respective agencies. So our panel includes Heather Cook, the Deputy Director General of the Australian Security Intelligence Organisation, Chris Birra, General Manager of Services Australia, and Ian Scott, First Assistant Secretary at the Department of Finance. So thank you everyone for joining us today. What I thought we might begin with is if you could just give each of our listeners a brief bio uh, or a profile of your current role. So I might start with you, Heather. Thanks, Rena. It's great to be here. Great to be here with a, a terrific panel as well. Um, as you mentioned, I'm the Deputy Director General of ASIO and my current role um, has me responsible for ASIO's intelligence mission. So that's essentially our operational investigative and analytical work and uh, much of the capability that supports it as well. Thanks, Heather. Chris, over to you. Thanks, Rena. And uh, yeah, great, great to uh, be on a panel with, with colleagues here today as well. And uh, uh, so my role in, in Services Australia is in the Payments and Integrity Group. And our group is really about ensuring uh, payment accuracy, uh, undertaking compliance activities, including investigations into suspected fraud and also the agency's uh, debt operations and so it does cover a lot of those externally facing integrity issues uh, which also has of course an important internal uh, integrity angle as well thanks thanks chris and last but no not at all least ian thanks rena and uh also great to be here with with you and the uh, and the, the panel members and uh, and all our listeners. Uh, so look, I head up the the corporate services division in um, in finance, and you know I basically run a, across the full gamut of um, corporate services from from HR functions, so bringing in people and uh, building their capability. Um, through to uh, our legal and assurance area, so also looking at um, how the how the department is uh, has operated our sort of compliance functions, our audit functions, um, and our risk and assurance functions. So, the, in some in some ways, the sort of full spectrum of um, integrity related services. Uh, and in the last over the last twelve. 12 months or so, also heavily involved in the in the department's um, assurance task force, which was um, which undertook some work um, <clears throat> looking at the way the department um, it's it's a culture of integrity and the way we embed it across the the department. So that's been a um, that's been a high priority for for finance um, recently. Thanks, everyone. That's great. Uh, throughout this podcast series, we've been highlighting the importance of integrity to the public service. And a key message that's been raised by speakers so far is that as individuals and collectively, we all play an important role 
in shaping the integrity of our workplace from our actions and decisions to the systems, policies and practices of an organisation. Heather, I'll start with you. In an agency like ASIO, the integrity of every employee is paramount. Could you tell us more about the initiatives your agency uses to educate employees and to strengthen the integrity capability in your agency? Sure, Rena, and you're absolutely right. In an organization like ASIO, not dissimilar to other organizations, but I think there are some unique um, uh, issues associated with being a security intelligence organization that mean operating with, with, with very strong integrity measures, very uh, you know, strict adherence to uh, legislation, to policies and procedures and, and guidelines is extremely important. Um, obviously, as an intelligence organization, we are entrusted with quite extraordinary powers. We operate in secrecy. We have the ability under warrant to intrude on the privacy of Australian citizens and others. That is a huge responsibility for an, for an organization and its workforce. And it's, it's something we take extremely seriously. And it's something that requires us to make sure that we are embedding uh, integrity and compliance and accountability uh, across our workforce. Um, for us, it starts right at recruitment and, uh, and security vetting. So again, for an organization like ours, um, we have uh, a workforce that is made up of individuals that have to have a top secret positive vet clearance. Um, so that requires us to look very deeply into the background. It's really a whole of life check. It allows us to make a lot of inquiries uh, into an individual's background, um, ask a lot of probing questions, and uh, really it's a big intrusion uh, on, the, uh, on the individual, but it's necessary to ensure that we've got individuals with the right character uh, and uh, trustworthiness um, to be entrusted with the sorts of information uh, and issues that we handle. So we look deeply at uh, issues of honesty, trustworthiness, uh, resilience, uh, loyalty, these are all things that our vetting process allows us to, uh, to inquire into of our workforce. Um, so if you get through that rather length, lengthy and, uh, and protracted and, and uh, probing process, um, you know, we have a, a fairly high degree of confidence in the, uh, in the character and trustworthiness of, uh, of the staff. But it doesn't stop, stop there. We have to make sure that we're training uh, individuals to apply the uh, legislation that we operate under, the policies and procedures that uh, guide our work. We have to make sure that individuals are highly trained and capable of being able to um, assume responsibility for the things that we, uh, we have to do as an organization. Ethics and accountability is a huge part of that training. Uh, it's core, uh, it's a core component to our induction training. It's uh, a, a core and mandatory um, a requirement for ongoing training. Indeed, we have a uh, an ethics and accountability mandatory training um, uh, uh, e-learning module that everybody is, is required, all staff are required to complete uh, on a three-yearly basis. Um, governance and oversight is another uh, big part of the puzzle. I think it sends all the important message, messages to staff when we are prioritizing things like compliance and integrity. Indeed, we have it as a key priority in our corporate plan, which means we're saying we are prepared to be measured uh, on our performance uh, of, uh, of compliance. Uh, I think 
staff realize that that is the management and leadership of the organization taking responsibility for the importance of things like compliance and integrity. Um, trust is also a big part of it. Uh, and uh, I think from a very early stage, our workforce is, uh, is, is trained to understand that uh, in order to maintain our license to operate as a security intelligence organization, uh, we need to maintain the trust not only of the government and the parliament, but most importantly, the public. And so that is another recurring and prominent message that we make sure our workforce understands that in order to maintain trust, we have to be wielding our uh, powers and our authority uh, responsibly and accountably. Otherwise we lose our license to operate. So I think that is something that we really uh, embed in our staff. Like I said, from recruitment, right through the, uh, the regular training modules, embedded in our corporate plan and our performance agreements, and, and really making sure that um, operating ac uh, accountably and with integrity is, is a core value, and it is indeed a core value of this organization. I think those are the things that allow you to really create the culture necessary to have high integrity and high accountability. Yeah, thanks, Heather. I think it's true that um, it's not a set and forget exercise, is it? It's not a tick and flick. We actually have to have it in our DNA. And what you've described is, you know, um, supporting it right from the induction process all the way through the employee life cycle. So thank you. Um, Chris, Services Australia, very public facing agency. So you're delivering essential services every day directly to the Australian people. You manage problems which focus on assuring the integrity of these services. So can you please tell our listeners about the compliance programs that you oversee? Yeah, um, thanks, Rena. And, and I think I think there's sort of two aspects to, to this. Uh, and one is sort of in terms of our customer facing uh, integrity operations, but also underpinning that is some important internal integrity uh, activities and assurance activities that we have inside the agency as well. So in terms of our uh, customer facing activities, it is focused on, on payment accuracy about ensuring that our customers are, uh, are paid the, the right payments uh, that's suitable for their circumstances, uh, that they understand their, their obligations, including their reporting obligations, and um, follow up and, and, and help people make sure that they meet those obligations. Education of people around their obligations, particularly around their reporting, is a very important aspect of what we do, um, as is ensuring the, the confidence and the integrity of the welfare system by ensuring that people do receive the payments that they're entitled to, uh, not more um, uh, than, than what their entitlement is. Underpinning all of this is, is uh, and, uh, uh, the integrity of our staff and I think there's a lot of overlap here with what Heather spoke about in that in the key aspect of Services Australia is that we need to be able to maintain the confidence of both government and the Australian people in uh, the integrity of the programs that we deliver and the integrity of our of our staff and the agency to, to deliver those programs. And that confidence of the Australian people and, and government uh, is, is critical to us achieving uh, the, the ambitions that we set out for ourselves in the agency's master plan, particularly around delivering services that are, are simple, helpful, respectful and transparent, uh, and very much mindful of the fact that we are responsible for 
administering very large public payments, uh, payments of public monies over $200 billion per year, but also very importantly, the, the agency's role in being uh, responsible stewards of the private information of almost every Australian, including uh, private and personal information which underpins people's identities. And so uh, that's a very large responsibility that, that we take very seriously. And so that, that staff integrity is an important component and enabler of how we can also achieve uh, the integrity in terms of, of uh, our customers uh, and particularly around payment accuracy. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Chris. I guess the public will judge us based on the services that we deliver and they rightly expect a, a very high standard from us. Ian, I'm keen to hear about what sort of approaches finance undertakes to enhance integrity. Thanks, Rena. Um, look, I, I flagged um, in the uh, in the in the sort of bio and introduction that we've um, that finance has spent a bit of time um, over the last uh, 12, 18 months looking at um, looking at this very issue, and it comes off the back of a you know a quite a public issue um, that uh, uh, that we identified some time ago with uh, with some of our staff, um, and so I've got to. Coming off the back of, uh, of that experience, um, we, we set up a, our assurance task force um, to have a look at what can we learn from, um, from those events. And I've got to say, reflecting back on it, I think, I think actually opening up um, and acknowledging that there were potential issues there um, and, you know, rather than um, rather than shying away from it looking at okay well, what can we learn from um, from these experiences and that all by itself I think has been a very positive message um, to staff about how much we value integrity in our culture um, uh, and to um, you know and to, to reinforce that there was some very positive messaging about the staff who had the courage to come forward um, when uh, when these issues uh, arose um, and I, I think that's also sort of quite powerful. Um, so as we've gone through the um, through our assurance task force process, there's been a there's been a whole range of things um, that we've uh, that we've put in place, and some of this actually I think comes back to the sort of things that um, Heather was talking about with with ASIO. The I think we've become much more deliberate in finance about uh, about integrity, um, about talking about it, and and about sort of being much um, much clearer about it. Uh, so some important things that we've done there, we've um, we've actually spent time talking about um, integrity, what it means, how can we um, how can we sort of further and strengthen and embed it in the in the department. Um, we've established our an integrity framework, which gives us an overarching um, sort of framework that brings together all those various elements that um, uh, that agencies will have in place, but brings it much brings it together much more coherently and explains the tough how these things sort of fit together and why they're important. Um, we also added in um, an additional leadership expectation um, to the to the department's leadership uh, expectations and that was act with integrity. Um, yeah, so very much upfront demonstrating to our staff, well, what is it that we are here for and what is it that that we value? Um, <clears throat> and and through those that has given um, you know, much much greater sort of visibility and uh, and and promoted more di more discussion. Then we've you know we've gone into the sort of capability space. Um, so 
we've strengthened some of that upfront induction training for our staff coming in to make sure that um, you know integrity and ethics are uh, are at the forefront of um, of some of that training, uh, and we've made sure in particular that contractors. Um, also go through those um, go through that sort of training as well to make sure that we're all working from a um, from a common understanding of what we're talking about and what we're here for. Um, we've also implemented integrity advisors and that's a, um, a group of specifically trained uh, more senior staff who are available to um, to staff to be able to go and talk about integrity matters, um, raise issues, um, seek guidance on um, uh, on how how to be able to take issues forward. Um, and then we've been much clearer in um, in our reporting and our transparency with staff about uh, integrity matters. So, for example, our board now um, regularly reviews an integrity dashboard that's got a range of HR and compliance stats in it that is intended to bring together a, a more complete picture of how the um, how the department is travelling. As a, as a way of trying to identify um, emerging issues. Uh, and we now also publish quarterly a snapshot for, um, for all staff um, so they can see how the department is traveling against its compliance indicators. Um, so you know, collectively, we've, we've really sort of looked to, uh, to up the, the level of visibility and deliberateness um, of, of integrity through the, um, you know, through the sort of the beginning with uh, with staff about their understanding and expectations all the way through to um, transparency about okay well how is the agency actually traveling and delivering against its um, its aspirations and expectations thanks Ian um, that's really interesting that so much has come about because you've actually uh, detected and responded I guess to a um, uh, to a, a breach and if I could continue on with that discussion, if you're able to describe, you know, what were the key learnings for the Department of Finance as a whole? So look, there was, uh, there's a couple of levels to it, Rena. So having gone through the, um, you know, the, the review process, you know, what came out was, was we, the department, it's, the department overall was, was traveling pretty, um, you know, pretty well against um, what it was setting out to, uh, to achieve. Um, we didn't identify any sort of specific shortcomings, um, but a range of um, but a range of opportunities to um, to strengthen. Um, <clears throat> and you know, off the off the back of that was then how we how we arrived at, um, at at some of the some of the changes we've made. Like I said, I actually my strong belief, having come through this, is um, is it's and I think this sort of harkens back to the, the things that Commissioner and Andrew Colvin were talking in one of the earlier sort of podcasts. It's really about the how you do things. Uh, and it is really about sort of the leadership and, and culture of an organisation. And I think what this demonstrated to us was culture is is absolutely king. Um, <clears throat> the, the other things we've put in place, you know, the reporting, the improved capability and what have you, they are all ways of um, tools to to help deliver. But ultimately, what what really counts at the end of the day is the strength the strength of your organisational culture. Mm, um, and I think coming out of the you know coming out of our learnings was was that the importance of senior leadership, the importance of the role we all play in our sort of day to day decision making is in the way we um, and the way we act. Um, and then these, uh, you know, these sort of tools around, um, you know, around sort of transparency and reporting, just help, you know, just help you sort of confirm and um, and identify how you are travelling. 
Thanks, Ian. Chris and Heather, grateful if you could also outline some scenarios um, and what practical steps you might have taken to address issues um, either recently or in the past. Might start with you, Heather. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I think it's as, as Ian identified, you know, we, we, we haven't identified any systemic issues relating to integrity and compliance, but, you know, there, there's always room to improve and, and, and room to, um, to uh, make sure that we're, you know, that we are really scrutinizing, not just, you know, doing the thing right, but doing the right thing. And I think, you know, I think that is something that's always worth scrutinizing. And there are ways to be more visible and more deliberate about that. And I guess the example that I would use is that, you know, over time uh, in in ASIO, we've made compliance uh, sort of everybody's responsibility. So I said we've taken more of a diffused and decentralized way of uh, of managing it with with everybody assuming individual accountabilities. And while that can be effective, I think what we found is that you know compliance was everybody's responsibility, but in some ways it was nobody's responsibility. So one of the things we've done in the last little uh, actually in the last couple of years is create a, a dedicated directorate. So a place within the structure with a home whose responsibility is, is uh, a compliance. And that's not in terms of being uh, responsible for compliance across the organization, but rather compliance policies, procedures, education, really um, creating a home where we um, sort of hone our expertise, where we identify uh, best practice, best practice and ways of doing things better, and and really provides a place where we are consolidating our understanding of indeed how compliant are we as an organization, how compliant are we with our uh, legislation, with our ministerial guidelines and regulations, and and with our own internal policies and procedures, and what that has done is really created a a, a central focus um, for us on shining a light on how we are performing against those compliance obligations. And I think one of the pleasing um, things that has come out of it is uh, really revealed that we are very good at self-reporting uh, and identifying areas where we've had an error or compliance breach. Um, and I think really creating a culture where self-reporting uh, is um, is uh, not a, a punitive, you know, you don't expect a, a punishment associated with that, but rather it's a, it's a behavior that's rewarded, um, that we don't hide a mistake, we actually uh, confront it, report it, deal with it and learn from it. And uh, I think pleasingly what we've seen and be, been able to track across the organization by virtue of having this centralized uh, directorate uh, responsible for compliance is actually being able to um, tangibly measure um, our compliance culture in some ways, whether that is through self-reporting, whether that is through trends in uh, in reductions in uh, compliance issues. And uh, I think that's really allowed us to, to demonstrate, be transparent about it um, across the organization uh, and really, you know, really vector in on that and, and pay attention to those very important issues. Another thing that we've done under our corporate structure, again, with, with having compliance as a key priority for the organization under our corporate plan, it puts it on the same footing as our counterterrorism work and our counter-espionage and foreign interference. So it's put, put a compliance um, and uh, operating with integrity on par with um, our, our main intelligence core business. Um, but that has resulted in, in cascading 
attention to compliance and integrity in the in the business plans at the at the division level and at the branch level, and it's uh, cascaded into performance agreements as well, where um, holding ourselves to account at that division, branch, and individual level uh, is now a feature um, of our sort of corporate governance and, and accountabilities, uh, and I think that really sends the message to an organization that compliance and operating with integrity is uh, is as high a priority as as the core business that we conduct. Mm, thanks, Heather. And I think, um, you know, going back to what Ian said, where culture is key, um, all of those things that you're doing is in, actually embedding integrity into the culture of the organisation. Um, Chris, so uh, scenarios and practical steps. Yeah, thanks, Miranda. And I think uh, the events are sort of the last year and a half and the role that the agency has played in, in supporting the government's response to COVID-19 and providing uh, the services that, that Australians have, have been relied on during that period has been quite a, a, a calling cry for us and in terms of sort of really, really drawing out the importance of having uh, public confidence in, in the agency and, and the, the link that that has to, to internal uh, integrity. And so as part of that, uh, the agency has has been sort of working on on our strengthening our, our framework. We, we do have in place a, an integrity framework um, which which helps to provide a, a central hub and, and, and sort of central structure to how we go look at integrity and go about it. Increasing our communications and our education with staff, including senior leadership communications, has been an, an important part of that. Um, and also leveraging off opportunities like the upcoming International Fraud Awareness Week in November, uh, where we can can really sort of highlight some of the the integrity um, issues and challenges, and, and really help to get those messages out. It complements sort of the the ongoing mandatory training that we we have in place, which helps to provide that common baseline of, of knowledge across the the agency, and especially around identifying the different aspects. Of, of and uh, areas where, where integrity issues can arise, uh, be they in relation to sort of uh, to, to payments, to the incorrect and unauthorized access of information, to protection of, of customers' uh, um, identity and, and, and key information, and, and also sort of uh, the, the, the risks from preferential servicing or, or outright sort of inappropriate accessing the payments by staff. That's all underpinned by some strong communications about the role of leadership and uh, the importance of leaders being seen to be to take integrity important uh, as something that's important, speaking about it and, and also demonstrating behaviours and really driving at all levels of leadership the importance of people acting uh, when they, they sit at the early signs of any sort of behavioural or change of circumstance. Uh, issues that arise uh, because we, we do know that sort of integrity issues often arise from sort of small changes in circumstances or behaviour which then uh, grow over time and so being being aware of that and also through that highlighting that that integrity is indeed the responsibility of everyone uh, and that everyone in the agency uh, does have a, a privileged role to play in terms of of being able to provide trusted services to the Australian Australian people. In terms of the, the external and customer facing 
integrity measures. Uh, we've really uh, worked to apply the key principles of the master plan around simple, helpful, respectful and transparent services. Uh, that's that's underpinned work that we've done in terms of improving our uh, transparency and education of customers, including giving people greater access to information and also options through such as the money you owe uh, function within within the Centrelink online app to be able to to view uh, information about debts, about uh, what what repayments they have, and to be able to make adjustments themselves. More microservicing within within the uh, interactive voice recognition systems for those customers who do call, and also improving our communications with customers to make them more more respectful, uh, more helpful to people, uh, but also to provide more educative information through updating uh, our correspondence that we, we deliver to customers, uh, the, the tone of it, uh, the, the messages we send, and also using more contemporary means of, of communicating with people such as SMS messaging and that sort of uh, messaging that, that, that in, in essence sort of helps to sort of nudge people uh, and remind people of, of their reporting obligations. And so uh, we've done quite a lot in terms of, of continuing to, to, to modernise how it is that we engage with, with customers on, on their own integrity issues. Uh, we, we look to do that in a data-driven way, in a way that, that's respectful and trans, transparent to customers and which leverages off the, the, the new technologies that, that we are bringing online. Uh, through through the transformation projects within the agency. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. Um, something that you've all touched on, I suppose, is the importance of leadership. Um, so building on our discussions today, including that concept of leadership, I'm interested in practical initiatives that you think can be implemented to strengthen integrity that have broad application across the APS. So, you know, I'd invite you to talk about um, an initiative in your agency or some aspect of leadership that, that you, you could see being um, uh, helpful across the whole of the APS. Ian? Look, I think there the, um, you know, the sort of the, the really important sort of elements is, is around the, the communication and the, and the partnership uh, in terms of, um, in terms of being able to uh, being able to work with uh, with the with other agencies um, about you know the intent of what's what's being achieved um, uh, and what is um, and what's practical. Um, the yeah certainly certainly within the within the department as I sort of said before the a lot of it around the around just talking about uh, integrity talking about what it means um, and the you know the practical outworkings of that as we do our sort of day-to-day businesses I think is really important um, and it's it, it's it's some of the little things the um yeah it's the the way in which we the way in which we react when uh, when problems arise or when issues are brought to us it's you know as as senior leaders we're very much sort of setting the tone for um for for how other staff will um you know will will look at us and uh, and approach where these sorts of issues arise 
Um, and likewise, you know, when we're working with um, working with our sort of you know partner agencies, the um, the ability to be able to have those sort of mature, frank sort of discussions uh, about issues, you know, sort of really, really important. And I don't think we can, I don't think we can actually as senior leaders underestimate the importance of the of the way our staff are watching us and learning from from what it is that we do. Even even those little sort of small things can um, can be far more powerful than we um, than we realise. Uh, Chris, noting the close relationship that Services Australia has with the Australian community, um, what are the sort of activities that you've undertaken to maintain public trust? Things that you know other agencies might learn from. Well, well, I think one one of the issues that, that, that or a good example of what what we've been doing is is in the. Uh, space of integrity and of uh, working with our customers um, on that and and that's been about looking at what we do across all of the agency and all in the engagements that we have with customers around uh, preventing uh, inadvertent non-compliance and also what what we term sort of preventable debt now we know that the vast majority of of uh, Australian citizens who are our customers do want to do the right thing um, and at times sort of understanding obligations and understanding the links between updates of circumstances and adjustments to payments can be sort of sort of tricky to understand and so uh, we want to help people to 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 sort of improve their, their understanding of, of that that link and of their their obligations of, of working with customers and so promoting that within our own staff about how best they can achieve better outcomes for customers themselves in helping people to avoid inadvertent non-compliance and preventable debt, uh, better outcomes for the agency in terms of, of delivering better customer outcomes uh, which are consistent with, with the, the legislation that we operate within and, and the policy parameters of, of the payments that we administer and also better outcomes for them because they can feel, uh, see the, the results in terms of, of delivering customer outcomes and good outcomes for the for the Australian people, whether both from the perspective of, of um, being taxpayers and so showing sound stewardship of, of public outlays, as well as delivering uh, good customer outcomes for, for those people we engage directly with. So that includes sort of building upon our awareness of, of the risk indicators where people are at risk of, of inadvertent non-compliance and, and preventable debt, changes in circumstances, um, uh, not reporting income correctly and the like, uh, helping customers in terms of, of educating them about what their obligations are in, in those regards and helping people to update their information and circumstances so that their, their payment uh, is accurate for the for the circumstances that 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 they're in in terms of their their eligibility, and so we're doing a lot of work around that, around promoting that from not just the systems and business process perspective, but also a cultural perspective, and that that's got a a strong sort of cultural element about our staff sort of taking responsibility for achieving the the outcomes uh, that are the appropriate outcomes both in terms of our uh, stewardship of, of the public outlays, as well as delivering a good customer outcomes and, and, and the best customer experience in the circumstances. Thanks, Chris. 
Heather, I'll now turn to you. Um, you know, returning to the concept of leadership, um, what steps can can leaders take to bring all of this to life for their employees? Well, I think there's no doubt that a workforce takes its cues from the top. And um, it's been said a number of times already, but, you know, leaders set the vision, leaders articulate the priorities, they demonstrate accountability, and they create the atmosphere for the organization. You know, we all know leadership is is core to, to uh, and leadership behaviors uh, to a culture of an organization. I think it, you know, it's, it sounds cliche, but it's not just about talking the talk, it's about walking the walk, you know, that, that role modeling of um, desired behaviors is critically important. Um, if integrity and compliance is uh, a key priority, if doing the right thing is important to an organization, then it should be clearly articulated in its in its corporate documentation and reflected in its governance arrangements. You know, it should absolutely be reflected in its uh, values and and uh, charter of behaviors. I mean, uh, values is the anchor you know, to culture in any organization. Um, I think making sure that it is prioritized uh, in uh, corporate documentation and that we are holding ourselves to account and prepared to be measured. I think those things send all the right message and that comes from the top as well. Um, I think it has to be backed up with clear um, expectations and accountabilities um, for senior leaders and then cascading down into staff. And I think it's important um, to reflect uh, the desired and expected behaviors uh, and, and measure those uh, in, our, in our performance agreements and calling out issues of integrity and compliance as, as core performance indicators for everybody. Uh, but that needs to be, that tone needs to be set from the top. I know that um, Director General um, Mike Burgess has um, clearly prioritized this for the organization and I've watched how um, setting those uh, visible, uh, that visible evidence and those visible structures of, uh, of compliance and integrity across the um, corporate structures and governance structures of the organization. I've really seen how that has then filtered down uh, to the next layer of management and down, down through the organization. Um, but there's no doubt it starts at the top. And I think that's, that's the commitment that organizations need to be to, um, to build that strong tr uh, culture of integrity. Thanks, Heather. Look, thank you all for uh, your time today. What a great way to end our series. And that's with, um, you know, making it practical, making it real. Um, you know, some of the things that I've heard is that it requires a whole of agency approach um, all the way from the top through to the employees. But each of us have a role to play. We're all responsible for integrity. Um, where it's underpinned by policies and practices, uh, but in actual fact, it's up to the human beings that are working in the APS um, to make sure that it is um, something that we do every single day. Um, agencies have a responsibility to, to develop the integrity capability of their staff, and that includes their leaders. Um, uh, it doesn't, it, you know, you can't automatically get uh, the DNA of an agency overnight. It's something that we have to work on. Uh, and as I said before, it's not a set and forget. We have to work hard at it and uh, keep up that reputation that we've built. Look, thank you all. Uh, that concludes our Understanding Integrity podcast series. Um, and I would like to thank all of the panellists, um, Chris, Heather and Ian, who've joined us today, um, and the other panellists that have joined us throughout the series. So through these podcasts, we've had the opportunity to discuss why integrity is so fundamental to the work of the APS, the integrity system, how we can work with stakeholders across and outside of the APS, 
and what approaches we can undertake to strengthen integrity culture. Um, to our listeners, thank you very much for joining us on this journey. If you'd like more information and resources on integrity, um, have a look at the Australian Public Service Commission website uh, and also the APS Academy website. So the Academy offers a range of resources, courses and other learning offerings on the APS craft of integrity if you're interested in exploring this topic further. Thank you all for today and goodbye. Integrity Series is brought to you by the Institute of Public Administration Australia and the Australian Public Service Commission.